did you know like you could just start a business? And like, I'm like, no, I don't really know anything about business. And he's like, you know, would you be down to start one? And at the time I'm like, not really. Like I'm planning to get a good job out of college. Like why go risk, be risky and start a business. Um, but I started like looking into it and that combined with like me not being able to get like a minimum wage job was kind of like the catalyst to me being like, how about I just make my own money? Like not have to like rely on like some, some crappy job that I'm not going to like anyways. Welcome to the Investing RN podcast, your number one resource for nurses and healthcare professionals who want to take control of their financial well-being and build a life of abundance and freedom. Hosted by Josh Condado and Colin Davis. Each week, we bring you insightful interviews with successful nurses, entrepreneurs, and experts in the field. Together, we'll explore the world of investing, uncover strategies to overcome challenges, and inspire you to create a thriving portfolio. Whether you're a new nurse, just starting out, or a seasoned veteran, Investing RN is here to equip you with the knowledge, tools, and inspiration you need to invest your time, money, and relationships wisely. Well, welcome to the Investing RN Podcast. Today, we are talking to Sergio Seleski, who uh, we, we kind of met by chance at a uh, conference in Vegas back in October, I believe. And uh, he was supposed to be at the business table at this dinner we went to, but he ended up at the real estate <laughs> table, which worked out for us. So we're excited to have you today. He runs a uh, bunch of stuff, but one of them is like cleaning business out of Vegas. He's got a uh, academy that he teaches, and he's been doing this for about, I think, six years. And uh, He'll give you better details, but uh, Sergio, welcome. Thanks for uh, the intro, Colin. Yeah, man. Like I was pretty confused when I got to that conference, and then they threw me in the real estate table. I'm like, you have the wrong guy. But <laughs> they're like, just sit there, just sit there. And I'm like, whatever, man. And then, yeah, I met you guys, so thing worked oh, yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, tell us about uh, just like kind of where you're from and what you what got you into the business world. All right, so growing up. I knew nothing about business. Um, I'm, I'm actually like the oldest of 11 total kids. So I come from a really big family. And um, my my path was always like get good grades, go to college. And that's that's what I wanted to do. So then I ended up getting into Cal Poly Pomona. I, I lived in SoCal. And uh, I was good at math. I was like, I'll try engineering. And so I get into civil engineering. And, um, you know, that's bridges, buildings, roads, things like that. And as I'm going through the motions, um, I was I was always, you know, like low income. I, I moved out when I was 17 years old and I had to figure it out. And that forced me to like go look for jobs. I was looking for jobs, li- literally could not get a job to save my life. Like McDonald's didn't want to hire me. And I'm like, what the heck? Like what's going on? And around this time, my best friend from high school, Johnny, he he like comes up to me with this idea. He's like, you know, did you know like you could just start a business? And like, I'm like, no, I don't really know anything about business. And he's like, you know, would you be down to start one? And at the time, I'm like, not really. Like, I'm planning to get a good job out of college. Like, why go risk, be risky and start a business? Um, but I started like looking into it. And that combined with like me not being able to get like a minimum wage job was kind of like the catalyst to me being like, how about I just make my own money, like not have to like rely on like some some crappy job that I'm not going to like anyways. And so that sparked the idea of like starting a business with him. 
and we started, you know, cleaning windows, $150 all in, 75 bucks each, um, order some supplies on Amazon, watch some YouTube videos. And we just started going door to door in Orange, Orange County, California to uh, sell window cleaning for like 10, 20 bucks to like these storefronts. So like, that's how I got into business. Um, I mean, fast forward to now, you kind of mentioned Home Service Academy. Um, basically, we uh, ran that business throughout college. It was more of a side hustle for us at first, but then we saw um, we saw the path to it being a lot bigger. And as we kind of grew the business, we just learned more and more about like hiring, marketing, sales, things like that. So we got to a point where you know it was doing seven hundred thousand dollars a year. We sold it, and we're like, "What do we do now?" We we're trying to like figure out what was the next business for us that was going to take us to like the next huge step, like $10 million. And that's when we um, stumbled upon like remote house cleaning because we didn't really have a name for it before, but we started hiring contractors instead of employees. And that allowed us to just get out of the field and have to clean the windows ourselves. And everyone was asking us like, how'd you do that? And that just naturally led us to like start Home Service Academy where we started teaching people how to do it. So, yeah. Thanks. So, so yeah, so you talked about your first introduction to business and you were kind of like, uh, I'll pass, like I'll take the traditional route. I'll go get a good job. Like I know engineering is a good job. And I think that's, that's typical of just, I don't know, Americans, I guess these days, like you go to school and you, you go get a good job and you, you only have really one option. There's not a whole lot of people that are born to start businesses. Um, and that's like, that's something I wasn't introduced until, until I guess I met Colin, we started buying real estate a little bit. Um, so what, uh, what mentally, like, what did you have to go through to, to, to come to terms with, okay, yeah, it's time to, time to start a business. I know you said you couldn't get a job at McDonald's, which that's kind of, that's a, <laughs> that, that would do it, I guess. Um, but talk about that, that mindset that you had to kind of go through before you were ready to do that. Dude, you're right. Like I wasn't born to be an entrepreneur. Um, I, I was never that kid that sold candy bars or like started the lemonade stand. I didn't really know about that. Um, even my mom, when I was starting the business itself, like I had the idea, she was like, no, you shouldn't do that. Like business is hard. It's risky. Like you'll see that, you know, you're probably going to fail. Like she was like, and it, at the time I was more like frustrated and I'm like, well, you don't believe in me. I'm going to do it anyways. Like chip on my shoulder type of thing. Um, now looking back on it, I see there was like, you know, your people around you that love you, they want to protect you. And like, to them, if they don't really understand like the whole like perspective of business, like from the outside, it looks risky, you know, but now I know that it's not as risky as people make it out to be. So, um, in terms of like the mindset shift, I don't, I don't think there was like a huge mindset shift just because I had college. So it didn't feel like at the time I was going like all in, like risking everything. I still had college and it was more of like a side thing, but yeah, I mean, over time, I did see like that was the path that was going to help me get to like the next next level. Not just making you know seventy, hundred k a year, but like making millions potentially, right? No, was this after you had your degree when you were looking for any old job and couldn't find one, or is no, it, was no, this in no? The this is me like nineteen okay. years old, like okay. freshman, sophomore in college. Okay. So, so yeah. this was during college when you decided to partner up with your with your best friend and yeah. start this company, right? Yeah. All right. So you kind of threw some numbers at us. You said you got it to seven hundred thousand. 
So that that's like gross income, right? So what does that what does that look like for you? Like how much of that did you actually see? Were you was most of it going to your employees or your contractors or marketing? How, what did that look like if you break it down a little bit more? Yeah, that's a good question. So at the time when we were doing like 700k, I said I want to say on average, me personally, like take home income, I was probably making around like eight to ten k per month, and then like that was like me and my friend Johnny splitting the profits in half. So um, in general, like the remote cleaning business, the way that it works is like you you hire the contractors and you pay them around forty to fifty percent of the job. To make numbers easy, we'll just say fifty percent. So if you can sell ten thousand dollars in jobs, then your cut is five thousand. And then like you know, if you um, put some money into marketing and things like that, if you have a healthy cleaning business, you should at the end of the day take home like around. 30 to 40%. So like okay. on the 10K, it'd be like three to 4K. And this, this, you're still talking about your window cleaning business right now, right? Yeah. Like just, okay. yeah, window cleaning or house cleaning in general, like they have the same model. Okay. Okay. And um, so you started, you started doing cleaning the windows yourself. At what point did you, did you decide to hire somebody and try to grow that from, from just you walking around doing window cleaning? Yeah. I mean, it, it really came out of necessity because we realized we can only clean so many windows and we were like starting to like pick up traction and get more and more jobs. And we we're just like, how do we, how do we clean more windows? And so the first couple of hires were like the worst hires because it was like our friends, our cousins, like just anybody that we knew, we'd be like, can you help us clean windows? And, um, it was, it was through like that process that we started to learn how to like actually manage people. But um, a lot of lessons learned in that process. And as you were starting out, because you said you were going door to door, and that's how you're getting the, the majority of your jobs. Like once you kind of got to this point where you're busier and you're having to hire a team, how did you change your marketing strategy? So we met these house cleaners in Orange County, and they actually like kind of changed their lives by accident because they were killing it, they were crushing it on Yelp, and they're like, "You guys should really get on Yelp. You guys should get a ton of reviews." And then that's how we get a lot of our jobs. So that's what we did. Got on Yelp, started getting reviews. And Yelp convinced us to start spending a little bit of money on advertising. And next thing you know, like our phones were just like nonstop ringing. And that summer of like, I want to say it was like 2020. No, no, no. 2019. Yeah, that, that first summer where we had Yelp on, it just went bananas. So yeah, we we definitely shifted to more like online marketing and advertising. And it's just kind of continued from there. And then as the team grew, like, did you have, you said you were, you were doing like uh, just friends and family and whoever essentially would kind of join you. Um, and then you had to reshape that. So what did that look like? What was your new hiring process? How did you guys figure that out? Man, it was through, I have way too many stories of like hiring the worst people. Like um, it's funny. We, me and Johnny just like talked about it on, on our podcast, like a couple of the horror stories of like employees not showing up, employees, you know, crashing our truck. Um, there was even this one time an employee did drugs in a person's house. Like the worst, the worst things you could like imagine, right? Um, but it was through that process that we um, we had to learn the hard way of like how to hire and like who not to hire and how to vet those people out. So yeah, I mean, eventually we, we went to like Indeed 
And um, I mean, one thing to know from Indeed is like, you're looking for like the one or two good people out of a hundred. But like, if you don't know that going into it, you look at the first 10 resumes and you start calling them. And a lot of these people were just not serious. Like they're just, you know, kicking rocks. So um, we had to learn all those lessons the hard way, um, especially us starting out as as basically kids. You know, we started when we were 19 years old. So we didn't have that like corporate experience or anything. So if someone has already had a job for a while, they're able to kind of like see things from like the big company's perspective. I think it could serve them like it can benefit them in terms of like them starting a business because they can see how their company did it. Right. And then just kind of replicate it in their own business. But me and Johnny didn't have that starting out so young. No. So just like in terms of like, you know, you didn't have any formal business training going into this and how to hire, obviously you figured that out, how to market, you figured that out. But um, just in terms of like structuring the business, like legally, um, you know, how you were hiring employees, how you're paying employees, like, did you just figure that out on, on the fly, just watching YouTube? Like what was, did you ever hire a coach? How'd you, how'd you go through all that? Yeah. I mean, dude, with a lot of that stuff, it was, it was definitely like trying to figure it out. Like if I'm being honest, didn't even have an LLC for the first two years of business. Right. It's like, they don't teach you this stuff in school. So, um, that's, I think that's one thing that people kind of like overvalue when starting a business is like, I have to have all these things figured out to like make money, to make it work. And I think me going into it so naive, so much like ignorance, it was almost like a blessing because I didn't get caught up on like those things. Like I got to have an LLC or things like that because I was just so hungry. I just wanted to make money. So you don't need an LLC to go knock on a door and collect 20 bucks from like the donut shop for cleaning the windows. You know what I mean? But like you do need it eventually and you do figure it out. Um, and there's like a ton of resources on YouTube for like how to do those things. Yeah. So yeah, no, yeah, I think something you said like about not getting that education in school, that's like, you know, you do get that education in school if you're a business major or if you're like, you know, finance or something like that. But civil engineering, similar to nursing, like that's something that we didn't get in school, which kind of prompted us to want to start this podcast to be able to put that information out there. Because um, I think that analysis paralysis or whatever is, is what holds a lot of people up and, and they're focused on like, oh yeah, I got to get the LLC. I got to do this. I got to do this before I can start. But yeah, being naive is sometimes a blessing, like you mentioned, because it's like, you don't know what you don't know and you just go out and do it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, it's a, common thread in a lot of professions unfortunately just the lack of education on finance and business in general i think it's a little bit of that and i think procrastination or like some people sometimes call it like being a perfectionist can sometimes be a form of like procrastination and it and it really does stem from a fear of like failure i don't want to fail and like that's it's totally normal but like you really just have to take action over everything um, I, there was this one guy, he, he would always preach this term, imperfect action. I always, I always like that because it's like, if you take, you know, even if it's slightly the wrong action, it's still better than nothing at all. So start doing something. Yeah. And you talked about your first several hires being difficult or just not just bad fits. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that everybody goes through, whether you're starting a business or, or as we did, we, you know, started buying real estate and, you know, the first several contractors that we use 
not great. But <laughs> with, <laughs> with each bad hire, you figure out, well, what, like I should have asked this question with, with each new thing, you learn something new. And, and that's kind of, I guess, an advantage of, of starting out and not really having a whole lot to lose. You just, you're okay with just learning along the way. You don't have like a ton of stuff to do. And that's, that's something that we kind of preach to other nurses that you, you have a great job that you can fall back on. Um, if, if you need to take a little bit more time to, to make a few more mistakes and learn the, from those mistakes, there, there's always, and, and you as well had your degree that you could always you know, go back to if you had to. Yeah. So how long did it take for you to get this first business um, to where you were ready to sell? And, and at what point did you realize that maybe it was a good time to sell? Yeah. So this specific business that I sold, um, we were running it for about four to five years before we sold it. But we more so sold it because we had Home Service Academy. And that that one was going... It was going so well that we felt like we just wanted to put all of our attention to one thing. And so we more so sold it to kind of just like free up some bandwidth of like our time and energy to focus on one thing that we felt like was going to take us um, a lot further. Um, looking back on it, did I have to sell it? Not really. Because at at the time it was like pretty, you know, automated because we had an admin that was basically running the whole business. Um, I had like a one hour call with her like once a week. And then once in a while take like put out a fire here and there. But like um yeah, I think we were just so focused on this one business that we felt like it was the right thing to do. So would you say now having sold it, like do you regret selling it? And and also like what does that sale process look like with the business? Um, do I regret selling it? No, because I mean, at the time it, it did help me, you know, like free up like bandwidth and be able to focus all my energy on one thing. Um, but I mean, if I were to do it again, I probably wouldn't sell it. But in terms of like selling a business or like even buying a business, um, I think a lot of people think that it's some crazy process when really it's, it's, it's not like there's no rules to it. Um, we bought a business before that that was doing about $150,000 in revenue for $1,000 down because we didn't have that much money. But like we were able to, you know, I know in like real estate, there's like creative financing deals. Same thing with buying businesses and selling them. So we were able to put $1,000 down and then give him a percentage of like these big jobs that he gave us because the whole reason we bought it was because um, we were able to clean a couple universities in the area. So in terms of selling our business, um, we actually sold it to like a past employee that started his own business. And it was it was really cool to see actually because, you know, we gave him an asset that was making, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a month. And for him that was pretty life changing. And we did it in a way where he only had to put down like, I think it was like twenty five percent. And then pay us the rest over like two years. So it was kind of it was like a win win for everybody. And um yeah, that was that was a process. It wasn't life changing money for me or anything. Um, just because of the circumstances. Like we we wanted to get rid of it quick and we, we kinda understood it was more of like the opportunity cost of like that versus our current business. And that that's kind of the power of like all these creative financing strategies, whether it's real estate or business, is that you there are ways to structure it to where it's a win-win situation for both for the buyer and for the seller. And I, I mean, coming from the outside, the a lot of people think that the seller is the only one that wins sometimes, but but really you can structure it in the ways where the buyer will win. Like you said, you you only put a thousand dollars down 
And sometimes that's all the seller want. That's all they want is they just they just want to have less headaches and have some some truly passive income coming in, which is hard to get. Hundred percent. Like that guy, he was moving. He was retiring, and then moving from California to um, I think it was Idaho. I forget. But like he, like if we didn't buy the business from him, it was basically going to be worth nothing. But at the end of the day, we probably ended up paying him out like close to fifty thousand dollars. So what's better, you know? Right. And how much did you sell that that uh, that business for? Well, that one we wrapped it up into like our existing business. It was it was the same okay. service. It was window cleaning. We just wanted to like add basically more more business into ours. Okay, but yeah. but your window cleaning business when you decided to sell that, how much did that sell for? That one sold for like basically around a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then you decided to start on your, your cleaning business. So talk to us, talk to us a little bit about, about that. Like why did that come up? And it sounds like you kind of built that while you had this other one. So talk about why that came up and, and what that looks like now. Well, everybody was asking us, how do you do it? Like, how do you have a remote cleaning business? And my, at the time, my friend Johnny was like putting it on Twitter, like kind of documenting the way that we do it, like explaining the day to day and how we structure the business. And people were like asking us, you know, for advice. And we wanted to give advice, but at the same time, we felt a little bit of that imposter syndrome, which is like totally normal, right? Like, who am I to be giving people advice? Like, I'm just some like 20 year old kid. And so we basically did it again to prove to ourselves and to other people like, okay, we know what we're talking about. So Johnny's mom was driving Uber and she's, she was like tired of driving Uber. So like, what we did was we spun up the business. It's called Marrying a Mop. And we had her basically run it, like the day-to-day stuff with like the cleaners and stuff like that. And the first month, it did $12,000 in revenue. And at that point, we're like, okay, we know what we're doing. Like we can replicate this. We can do it over and over again. And so, you know, today that business does about $30,000 in revenue. And she's like crushing it. Like she she makes like 10K plus per month from from that business never has to drive Uber again. Like that story is awesome in itself. But um, that that was why we started it was to basically prove to ourselves and to other people that, hey, this is replicatable. We can do it. And then that's how... That was basically our model for teaching other people how to do it. So that's kind of what led into like Home Service Academy and us being more of like the consulting yeah. side of it. I think that's a, that's the cool thing about business too is like not just what you can do for yourself, but obviously you're providing jobs for employees, but then you can change somebody's life. And in his case, his mom's life. I mean, that's, that's incredible. So it's like, now you guys have, have this uh, academy you're doing. So what, what does that look like? Has that opened up even more avenues to help a lot more people? And, and what is a membership for that? And how do people get involved? Yeah. So, I mean, up to this point, we've helped like hundred, like almost close to a thousand people in the U S and Canada. And, um, it's, it's really taken off because at the end of the day, like people understand house cleaning, like it's not, it's not rocket science. There's a lot of business opportunities. There's a million different ways to make money. That's something that I preach all the time is like, you can make money doing anything. It's more about like what you choose to do. What do you want to make money in? But, um, kind of forgot where I was going with this, but basically home service Academy. Yeah. We basically help people from. A to Z, like set up the business, like from all the LLC stuff like that we were talking about to 
how do you actually run the business and then grow it to a point where you have an admin in there that runs it day to day and you don't need to be working on it full time. And and are these students of yours, are they starting remote cleaning businesses or is it local businesses or is it a blend of both? So most of the people start in their local area because that's what they know. But it's it's still remote. So it's it's both, right? Like it's you can run in your city, but never have to go out to a job because you have the cleaners doing the jobs for you. You know what I mean? And so, you guys are doing like commercial yeah. or are you guys doing like Airbnb type stuff or are you doing everything? Everything, man. Um, we, we have people start out mostly residential because that's the easiest thing to do. Or like cleaning one house is a lot easier than cleaning like a 5,000, 10,000 square foot commercial building. Um, but like people definitely work their way up to that. And then they also like partner with Airbnb hosts, right? They need a ton of houses cleaned. Like there's just so much, op- like look around, like how many houses and buildings are there that need to be cleaned? Like this isn't going anywhere. So there's a lot of opportunity out yeah. there. So when, when somebody signs up with you guys, do you help them pick a a location, I guess? Like, is there certain criteria that you that you set for your students? Like this yeah. is where you're going to have the most success in, a, in this type of an area, this type of a, this size of a, a city. Like what kind of walk us through like what it looks like when you, when you first sign up and how you pick your market. 100%. Yeah, there's... There's definitely a way to see whether a market is like okay, good, bad, or like really great. Um, in general, though, like most markets are really good, unless you're completely in the boonies, middle of nowhere, like population 75 people, then that's probably <laughs> not the best market. Um, but yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised. Like, we've had people that are in smaller towns whether it's like a collection of like six towns or like a small metro and they crush it. They, they do. So. When you say small metro, do you mean like 25,000 plus or do you mean actually like, like smaller, like eight, 10,000 population type type cities? Yeah. I mean, I would say like it, in terms of like a, a general radius, like a county or something like that, like I've seen it work with, yeah, like close to like 25 to like a hundred thousand people. Which, yeah. you know, compare that to like, somewhere like LA or something, it's like a fraction of the people, but like right. it still still works. And are you guys um, like looking at competitors in the area and all that kind of stuff as well when you're analyzing a market? Surprisingly, like yes and no. Um, you would think we look at competitors to see like, you know, is there too many competitors? Because if there is, then that might be a bad thing. But we're more so looking at the types of competitors because if there's franchises in the area that tells us they've already done their research and they think that this is a good market. So that means we should be here. Um, competitors aren't really like a threat because at the end of the day, like people are going to go to like the best service. And as long as you can provide a good service, then word gets around pretty quickly that you're the go-to cleaning company. So, I mean, we started our cleaning, our, our window cleaning company back in the day um, in Orange County. And they had so many window cleaners in that area. And like somehow we stood out and became the number one like ranked person, ranked company in the area just by being great at customer service, great at like providing the service and like getting a ton of reviews. So it's, it's really not that hard to stick out because in the home service industry in general, and maybe maybe you guys see some of this in real estate, like the competition is not good. Like people are running their whole business on like a notepad and 
they're just like not answering the phones. Like I tell people all the time, if you just answer the phone, you're already winning because someone called five other cleaning companies that didn't answer. So yeah, oh that's not that it's not that hard to stand out. That brings up some some uh oh what's what's it called? What's the word? Sorry, Antoine, PTSD. Fix this. Yeah. Uh, PTSD. Yeah, like I'm, <laughs> I've been on the phone with with I'm not going to say which bank, but one of the like big banks because I leased a car through them and. I'm going from one robot to the other robot to the other robot and it's such a hassle. So, um, but I was going to mention like, just be the best in the area and you let your competition do the research for you. So that's kind of a term that I've heard in a lot of real estate. Like some people will, they'll buy houses next to Chick-fil-A or they'll buy houses next to Whole Foods because that massive company has obviously done a ton of research to see what type of market they want to be in. And so I think that's kind of a strength that you guys obviously have is just letting, letting all the marketing and all the research dollars go to some other company um but so talk about somebody who signs up with you like what what would their you said you said um was it your partner's mom that was driving uber and then started and she's making like 10 grand a a month now what would you say is the average um i guess first month income on somebody who signs up with you guys first month or just in general like or let's go in general yeah okay well i mean in terms of our program it's a four-month program and It's, it's very strategic on why it's four months because at one point in time, way back, it was like 12 months. People just didn't have the urgency that they needed. Like you need that balance of like, I'm trying to get shit done like yesterday. And if you don't, then like you can procrastinate for like years, you know? So um, we, we purposely make it four months. And on average, we want to see people making around five to 10K a month in total revenue by the end of the four months. Some people like exceed that a lot and some people are under that. But like, think about if you can join a program and have a business that makes, let's just say even 10K a month recurring revenue, that, that doesn't go away. As long as you're running the business correctly, you have a stable $3,000 in profit for however long you want to run the business. So that's kind of our goal is like, we want to have you build a sustainable business that can make you money, you know, for the rest of time, as long as you have the business. And and you're having people start it to where they're not actually doing the cleaning themselves, right? You're having them the way you're having them set it up is you're basically starting your own company where you're just on the outside looking in, running it and managing it, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And like I wish I started my business like that like years ago. And, you know, we we had to learn the hard way to like clean the windows ourselves. Yeah. So theoretically you could have somebody start and then they're getting that three to 5,000 recurring revenue. And then they do the exact same thing. They take that blueprint and do it again in another location. And then at a certain point, you're just opening them up in, in a bunch of different locations and the cash flow is compounding. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason why you can't do that. Do you see a lot of your students that end up doing that? There's not, there's not a ton of students that do that. And let me, let me tell you why. You'd be surprised how much money one location can do. So that's something that we we talk about is like it takes it takes time, energy, like resources to open up a whole nother location to get a whole nother set of cleaners and figure out all that logistics. If you could have one location that does, you know, 50K per month in revenue or have two locations that are doing 20, 25, which one would you pick? Right. And it's it's a 50K one location. It's just simpler that way. Um, and then at that point, then you can start to think about, okay, now now let me open up a new location. So um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, definitely doable. Um, something that we're going to be doing. You know, you, you mentioned earlier, we're starting a cleaning company in Vegas. So we're opening up a new, like our own location in Vegas. And um, yeah, our, our plan is going to be like expand. So yeah, I know. So we just moved. We bought a new house over here. We live in Green Bay and we just we just moved a couple houses down the down the street. And we, we actually got some cleaners to take care of the new house before we moved in. Nice. And to your point, how like it's not hard to be the best, um, like the, the people that we hired, they were in here. I want to say they had like two or three people in here for like six hours. And then my wife comes in and she's she's pretty particular about the way she cleans and she like rubs <laughs> yeah. her finger on it. <laughs> and she's like, this is unacceptable. I can't believe it took three people six hours to do this terrible of a job. She's like, I could have done this by myself in a couple hours. Um, so how do you find how do you find people that will I don't know if it's take pride in their in their work ethic or how do you find people that'll that'll work to the standards I'd that say your that company sets? And like how are you monitoring that? Yeah, um, this is a good question. It's like a lot of people, it's funny, a lot of people have that same situation where they hire a cleaner, they suck, and then that's how they see like this is like an opportunity, right? But then their next question is always like, how do I find good cleaners? And it's it's a little bit in the vetting process, right? Like, because there is cleaners out there that take it very serious and like they do take pride in their work. But going back to like talking about Indeed, like if you call, we have something called the rule of 25. It's like someone isn't going to find their first really, really solid good cleaner until on average talking to 25 cleaners, Right. But if you don't, if you go into it without having that context, then you're going to pick up the phone, talk to five people, be like, this doesn't work. I talked to five crappy cleaners, but like, it's, it's more so like the law of large numbers. Like you call enough people, you'll find enough good cleaners. So it's a little bit of that. Um, and then having, having good expectations. I think a lot of people don't have very clear expectations and then expect people to be up to par with their standards. But they never said what their standards were. So it's, I mean, it's something like we have copy and paste in the program because we've done it so many times, but expectations are just like super key. And it's something that I remind people of so much that it probably gets annoying. But like, I mean, this goes with anything, like hiring or managing anybody. Like just over, feel like you're over explaining your expectations, like say over and over again so many times that to the point where like, they have to understand and see your expectations. I think that even applies in marriage because it's like you come into marriage and it's like, I don't know if, I don't know if you're married, but like <laughs> Josh and I are married. I, I'm actually married to Josh's sister, but, uh, but the, um, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. connected. <laughs> but, uh, so I blame everybody always has the same reaction. Know, they laugh. When find that out. They're just like, what? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's like, you know, I had a certain way I did things and now I've got this person living in my, my place. And it's like, I'm expecting her to do everything the way I did it. And I've always done it. And it's like without communicating that and over commuting, communicating the expectations, it's yeah, it just doesn't get done. And then you're upset and it's like, well, Hey, like you didn't communicate that. So that's definitely in this case, it's gotta be huge. I was wondering which way you were going to take that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, just like marriage. No, but just everything. Like you said, it's like business. It's everything. It's real estate. It's, I mean, it's, it all goes back to communication, I think, which is. Yeah. And I mean, with marriage, it's even harder, I think, because like, even though I preach this, like over communicate expectations, I probably, I probably don't do the best job in my relationship. Right. Yeah. And I think <laughs> yeah. it, it can be hard. And it, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I can't remember who said it, but um, there was uh, one podcast or one 
person that I heard say that like when you first hire somebody, it's going to seem, and it depends on when you implement the expectations. It's going to seem a whole lot like um, micromanagement unless you set it from the start and then you micromanage for, or micromanage, you use that for, um, for a very short amount of time at the beginning and then they're good to go. But if you let them try to do what they're, what they're used to doing and then you come in and try to set expectations, that's when it seems like micromanagement. So it's, you got to make sure that you do it right off the bat. So, you know, you know, so you're not coming across as a micromanager. Yeah. Setting the expectations. Yeah. I've had to learn that lesson the hard way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I said that I heard somebody else say that I didn't, <laughs> not because I know that <laughs> from, from my experience. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever have like any issues so. with, um, you know, employees or anybody like that? Like, I guess, I guess one of my things that I've thought about with a service type business like this, where you are remote and you're not actually hands on is like, what's to stop somebody from just going and saying like, well, I'm doing all the work. Like, I'm just going to go run this myself. And And does that happen? Well, specifically in our business model, like since we're hiring contractors, like we we have a mutual agreement, understanding like you're your own business. It's it's kind of like Uber for like house cleaning. Like they have their own business, they have their own like cleaning accounts, and it's like we're just gonna give you extra accounts so you can make more money. Um, so I mean, they have their own accounts. I mean, some people coming into the program sometimes fear. Are the cleaners going to take my jobs that I gave them? Right. And that's something that could happen. Um, but it goes back to expectations. You set the expectation like, hey, this is like our job. And you're basically like showing up to like do the work. But um, if you were to take the job, then we would just stop giving you work. Yeah. So what? One topic that comes up all the time, especially with in real estate investing, is, is good debt versus bad debt. Do you have, you have a lot of your um, people that go through your program. Do they need to take out debt? Because I know you said you were able to start your window cleaning business with 150 bucks. Um, but do you, do you typically need to take out some sort of debt or um, lines of credit to start a business like this? I mean, the great thing about like home service in general is that it's a very lean startup cost. Um, I mean, if you compare it to something like, um, I mean, since we're talking about real estate, like I know there's definitely lean types of real estate too. But like buying a house is is a lot of money. To start a cleaning business like this, you can do it with less than a thousand dollars. So, I mean, if you have a couple couple thousand dollars in savings, you usually don't need to take out debt to start a cleaning business. What's so now? Like you know, you sold the business. You've got the uh, the academy going now. So, what's kind of like a day to day for you now? What does that look like? That's a good question. Um, I just, I just did a TikTok today, like explaining how something they don't tell you about business, like getting into business is like, you're actually going to work more. And it's not because your boss is telling you to work more because you don't have a boss, but it's because you want to work more. And like, that's always been the case for me. Um, I'm always like super, super passionate about just growing the business and like putting in as much as I can. So for me day to day at this point in time, I have a team that of like 20, 22 people. Um, so I have like a good amount of like the day-to-day stuff in the business um, delegated. So I'm more focused on, you know, how can we one, improve the overall product itself because that's going to drive the most change. And then just like the operations of like the whole business because we have a vision of like where we want to take it, but how are we going to make it happen? So that's kind of like what I'm focused on. I have meetings with with people on my team and stuff like that. 
and like have a couple group group calls like with people in the academy. But yeah, my my day to day is kind of like it's different. It's different every day. Are you uh are you doing any other kind of investing? That's a good question. Um, no, not really. I've never, I haven't been like really a big investor, just because I don't. I I feel like I've I've learned the lesson of like being a good business owner doesn't necessarily mean a good investor. Like they're two completely different things. And I've put money into like things that I don't understand before, and it just kind of like blew my money. So I kind of like took a step back and reassessed like what I want to invest in. And I think if I were to invest into something next. It'd probably be real estate, but not so much from like a I'm trying to build a real estate empire perspective, but more so from like a cash, like um, I guess like tax preservation yeah. type of perspective, and like maybe a little bit of cash flow type of thing. But I really, really like go all in on business when I'm in it. So I, at least at this at this point in my life, I mean, you guys tell me yeah. if you guys disagree with me because yeah. I know you guys are real estate investors. <laughs> no, I mean, you're investing in yourself and you and we, we had somebody on uh, a couple of weeks ago who lost a bunch of money investing in other people's deals. And there was definitely a, I mean, it, it's sometimes it's tough, um, and, but you can you can take care of your money better than anybody else can. So that's that's definitely if you if you do want to invest, obviously come to us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, um. But yeah, make sure that you vet whoever you're giving your money to because it's not everybody's as motivated to to make your money work for you as as you will be or as we will be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, well, but yeah, like so. you said, you know, it's your money. It's you you have a strong worth work ethic, you know that, and it's like I mean, you know, that's been my hold up with with stocks and stuff like that. It's like I don't understand it enough, so it's like I don't want to get into that personally at this point in my life. I know a lot of people doing really well with it. But it's not something I understand or trust right now. Yeah. And I, I'm really good at buying like at the top of the market. Like in 2020, when everybody was talking about <laughs> all this crypto, I was like, I'm getting in now. <laughs> and then I made sure that it was like about to come down and I bought in right then. And then it came all yeah. the way down. So I'm done with stocks and crypto and all that stuff because to your point, I don't understand it. Uh, but I do understand real estate. And that's where most of more, actually all of my money at this point is. is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree so, with that. Yeah, put your money where, you, but, where but, your knowledge is. But you yeah, kind of touched sure. on something. You kind of just uh, with the um, you know tax. I don't want to say tax avoidance, but <laughs> essentially that's what you tax tax. Yeah, de- there you deferring. Go. You you never you never skip taxes. Right. You're just postponing. But it's like yeah, like so now you've built this successful you know, company. You're doing well, and at a certain point, you do have to kind of consider that type of stuff because you get so so successful, and if you're not doing things right, if you're not investing, if you're not whatever like you're just giving all that money right back to the government and at that point it's like well why keep building so something like real estate is great for that and uh i mean we you know we've kind of seen that through depreciation and stuff you can offset a lot of your your earnings so i think that's uh an important next step for anyone in business yeah i mean i right. just being transparent i don't really know too much about it you definitely know more than i do so I'll probably be talking to you guys more about like real estate yeah. investing when when that time comes. But um, oh, as of sure. right now, I'm just like super focused on like Home Service Academy, building that like as as big as I mean we have a huge number like hundred million dollars. Yeah. Like that's what that's our north star. That's where we want to get to, and uh, it's gonna take a lot of work to Good. get there. So so is that what you're 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 gunning for that sales price hundred million dollars? Because I mean 
I know the businesses and, I, and I'm not that like super familiar with it, but I know businesses sell on different multiples of how much revenue they generate. Yeah. So are you yeah, looking for want, 100 million in revenue or 100 million sales price? We want to have a business that is worth $100 million. And for that okay. to happen, it's probably going to have to be somewhere around like 20 to like $50 million in profit per year. So like it's going to be a big freaking a business. Lot of windows. <laughs> yeah, a lot of houses yeah. to clean. Well, you sure. mentioned earlier, and I think like just in talking, you know, to you about business, like uh, I just from hearing what you've done, like I would say you're probably more along the way of of you know knowing and understanding business. We might know a little more about real estate than you, but definitely not more than a lot of people. But that imposter syndrome you mentioned earlier, like I don't know if that was before we started recording, but it's you know as we talked about launching this podcast and putting stuff out there it's just like who are we to talk about this stuff but i think it's just the the goal is to just create like this community and this this place where people can come and get information from other people that aren't like grant cardone that are like a little more relatable (laughs) so i think it's you know i think it's cool what you guys are doing and and that's that's what we're that's what we're shooting for here as well no i i totally agree i feel like i've had that on imposter syndrome myself like who am i to teach people but there's always going to be someone that can learn from you. Even if you're on step two, there's someone on yeah. step one. Right. And then obviously there's people way, way ahead of you. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I'm trying to do is like put value out for the people that are maybe step or two under yeah. me. Right. And, and you said, uh, recently you guys started a podcast. Is that kind of tied into the, uh, the Academy that you're doing or is that something separate? So the podcast is, um, not really tied to the Academy, just, me and Johnny love talking about business in general. Like we'll just find like the most random businesses that make $200 million that you never heard of. And we'll just like talk about it and like talk about um, just exciting things that we're seeing in business. So that's more so just a show for me and Johnny to like talk business and for our audience to get to know us on a more like personal level because at this point in time, like a lot of our content is like just straight value. Like this is how you do this. This is how you do that. But like we wanted people to like get to know us more on a personal level. And I think a podcast is like great for that. What, so what's the, I think it's great yeah. that we're both starting podcasts yeah. right now. What, what's the name of your podcast? Oh, yeah. yeah. The Johnny oh. and Sergio show. So to everyone listening, go and follow the Johnny and Sergio show, but support us just slightly more because we made a bet before this. Exactly. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> we're gonna re- yeah we're gonna compare yeah. statistics yeah, at we're, three we're months racing and, so uh, yeah so so just just, just slightly <laughs> more short enough but yeah that's cool and, we'll, and we'll, we'll get that all in the show notes and like plug you at the end here too so yeah no i think it's awesome what you guys are doing because like the nursing community could definitely use more like business related content like so mm-hmm. no one tells you like what you can do after high school it's just all the normal occupations yeah. That's why I went right. to engineering because I'm like, there's only 10 to pick from and engineering seems like the best one. But like you start yeah. to find out that there's literally a million different ways to like mm-hmm. make a living yeah. and you don't got to be stuck in one your whole life. You could change and that's okay. Everyone thought I was stupid for like getting an engineering degree and then not doing engineering. But like, I'm fine. I'm good. So yeah, yeah. we're doing better than you would if you stuck, well, stuck a with lot that. Of these, a lot of these like high ticket like you know lawyers and doctors like i just i managed a building in uh, in los angeles and 
we just hired a plumber and they're charging $185 an hour. Like I was never going to make $185 an hour as a nurse. So it's like, yeah, like there's tons <laughs> of stuff out there. You right. don't have to go to college. You don't have to pick one of those 10 careers. It's like, there's so much out there. for you. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. okay. So our, we'll, we'll go ahead and jump into our final segment. It's the final four. Oh uh, no, we changed it to the final <laughs> five. Sorry. So it's final final five because we have five. We just kept asking. We kept doing a final four um, with the bonus question. So we were just maybe we should just call it the final five. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hit me so with. It. All right. So what what's one or what's the top financial resource that you go to um, for financial resources? <laughs> like a book or a podcast? <laughs> like, or, <laughs> yeah. Dude, man, that's a good question. Um, I mean, my favorite podcast is My First Million. And it's not really a financial one, but it's it's more it, it talks about business and they talk so much about like different opportunities that it starts changing your perspective on how you see the world. You start seeing opportunities different. And like I think there's an argument there that that could be financial because all it takes is for you to see the right opportunity for you to make more money. Right. So I would I would give a shout out yeah. to my first million. That podcast is freaking yeah. awesome. And so we tailor the second one to like nurses, but in your case, um, I guess like coming out of high school, what would you, what advice would you give yourself? Hmm. Coming out of high school, I would just, I would tell myself not to stress so much about like the whole entire life, like the destination, because that's, I think I was really stressed about like, I have to have my whole life planned out, figured out, and I have to do everything according to that plan. But then you guys, you know, like seen in my story that I completely changed paths and that's okay. And so I would have just told myself like, don't, don't stress so much. I got gray hairs already. It's probably from stressing about that. So yeah. <laughs> I, I got a few grays, but Colin, Colin takes I the know, cake I got, on that I one. got plenty. <laughs> I, and you know, being a 20 year old as well, like it's like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Collins living the 29 year old dream as a 37 year old. It's all about how you feel. I still feel <laughs> 20. <laughs> all right. So uh, question three is what is your big goal for the next 12 months? Um, I know you said your, your, your goal is to get to a hundred million or sell your company for a hundred million, but what, what's, what's a 12 month goal that you guys have? Dude, our, our 12 month goal is to just like get these, get these cleaning businesses off the ground and have, have as many as, as possible um, profitably running. So like, if if we were to like run this podcast back again, like in a year, I think mm-hmm. we'll have probably around five to ten locations um, across across the U.S. some somewhere, but eventually going to get it to like a hundred plus. And if you were to sell your company right now, how much do you think it would sell for? That's just more more of a my a curiosity question. I mean, if I, if I'm being like super realistic, uh, someone's looking at a company in terms of like. How much money is it going to continue making, and like how how risk averse is it? So I'd probably say somewhere around like three to like six million. Not too shabby. <laughs> that's that's yeah. not a little. And does that include the academy, or is that just <laughs> yeah. cleaning? No, that so that's that, the academy. And is that yeah. okay? So that's like everything. All right. Um. All right. So I guess. Uh, oh no, number four. If you were to tell people to do one thing right now. Uh, one, I guess, action or whatever, what would you tell them to do to kind of change their financial? Well, I'm assuming if you're listening, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast, you're a nurse and you're thinking about investing some money that you have, you're thinking about getting into like some side hustle, 
And like, it's like I said earlier, um, just do something like whether just any side hustle that you're interested in starting, just start it and you'll figure out pretty quickly if you like it, don't like it, if it's the right thing or not. And you can just do something else. So stop overthinking and just start doing. Yeah, that's kind of the the premise of our of our podcast is investing RN because registered nurse, but also right now, like we, we believe that you got to do something. You got to start right now. Oh, yeah. I see. I see, <laughs> what you're doing there. see how clever that is. <laughs> we so smart. No, I'm kidding. All right. Um, all right. So the, the final or the, the fifth question now, it's no longer the bonus question. It's number five is what's the biggest financial mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? Whoa. Okay. I mean, guys, I have, um, there was a, there was a month this year where we were negative $90,000. That was, that's a pretty big that's financial mistake, right? Yeah. Um, it's not that the business was a mistake. Uh, we just, we just learned a lot of lessons in terms of like, we, we scaled a little too fast. We got too excited hiring too much, but we got, we got kind of inefficient with our marketing and, um, yeah, we, we lost, we lost a good amount of money. Um, overall in the year we're, we're net positive. So it's like we lost the battle of that month, but still winning the war. So, um, I'm still good, but, um, you, I was going to yeah, say bonus question. That? Quite the, quite the hole you done. <laughs> we got a new bonus question. <laughs> bonus number two. How'd you get through that? Yeah, I think, well, one, like mentally it's understanding that you're in business, you're going to fail. Like you're going to have these small failures along the way. Just when you, f- just when you thought you had everything figured out, you thought you were like good at business, like something's going to hit you with the left hook out of nowhere and it's going to be like, you suck. So um, <laughs> I think I just, yeah, I had to learn a lesson, be humbled a little bit. And um, it was just like, what are we going to do to like learn from these mistakes that we made? And that's like the only best thing you can do whenever you make any kind of mistake, learn from the, the less. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what we're trying to do here as well as like build a community of people who want to do things that are hard um, because to, to succeed, you need other people that are doing things around you. And um, I mean, on social media, you see a lot of the highs and you don't really see a lot of the lows. So we, we want to be here to support people that are, that are in the middle of it because there are going to be lows and they're going to be really hard to get through unless you have people around you that are also doing hard things. hundred percent. Oh, so with, with that, yeah. Colin, where, uh, so where can people kind of reach out and get in contact with you and find, find out what's going on? Yeah. I mean, if you look up Johnny and Sergio, like on any social, you'll find us like YouTube, Instagram, um, just kind of anywhere. And through, through that you can find, you know, you can find the podcast, Johnny Sergio Show, or you can find the Academy. So, yes. yeah. Cool, Sounds man. good. All right. Go give them give them a follow. See yeah. what they're doing. Give them Remember, some support. slightly less. But lightly less. Just, slightly just less the podcast. In just the podcast. podcast. <laughs> you can support everything else fully. The podcast is slightly <laughs> less. No. Yeah. No. Thanks for having me, guys. Seriously. Appreciate it. Um, I, wish, I wish you guys like all the success. But just us a little bit more success <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm glad they put you at the wrong table yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, have, oh, we'll have to run this podcast back again in the future and yeah, see where definitely. we're at oh i look forward to it yeah we'll have you back on in three months as long as we are winning <laughs> then if, if if sergio doesn't ever come back on it's because they're winning <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> yeah. no. all right sounds good well all right take care
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Investing RN. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review if you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to share this episode with one other person and follow us on Instagram at investingrn.co if you have any other questions or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Your input is super valuable and we love hearing from our listeners. Until next time, remember, your financial well-being is a journey and we're here to guide you every step of the way. Keep investing in yourself and your future.